This is the Black and Gold and Red Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Eric Lopez here. We're going to begin the show here momentarily uh, here on the Black and Gold Banner Red Podcast. But first, some break, late breaking news that came out Thursday night uh, prior to the what you're about to hear is the show was recorded early Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'm doing the show. Jeff Sharon's on vacation, ironically, in Hawaii. And the reason why I say ironically is because of the breaking news on Thursday night. As Mackenzie Milton took to social media to announce his retirement uh, from playing football. He will not be pursuing anything professionally uh, in the NFL. He wrote a lengthy social media statement uh, on it, and he goes, quote, There is no easy way to put, put or say this, but my playing days of football have come to an end. He put it out there on Instagram uh, first and uh, kind of went into detail behind his decision. Is uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Not a real surprise. I don't think he really had a future. He didn't get drafted in the NFL. I know that was a goal. He was on with Black and Gold Banner right back in January. Talked about that. That was just something he was shooting for. But it didn't pan out. Didn't get drafted. Didn't get picked up by anybody uh, at all. But I don't think that takes away from anything that he's, he's certainly the comeback to even be in this conversation where he got to play this last season for Florida State. Uh, certainly a remarkable achievement uh, for him. And so kind of a big news on Thursday night. One of the icons in UCF athletics history is done officially. Kenzie Milton, obviously, the big question is, does he get into coaching? He's been working a lot, obviously. Uh, with trying to get uh, student-athletes in the NIL and mission control. That's been a big thing for him. Uh, so certainly I'm sure that's where his focus is. But it is done. He will not be black on the field, it appears, uh, at any moment. As he's called it, uh, quits after uh, an incredible comeback, like I said, uh, just to get back. Certainly, when you think of it, one of the greats of all time, uh, in the history of UCF football. Here's what he had to say on social media. There's no easy to, uh, way to put or say this, but my playing days of football have come to an end. With the culmination of the 20, 2022 NFL draft, it has become pretty evident that a path to the NFL is not realistic given the external variables. Having said that, I want to thank all of you for the love and support over the years. A 5'11", 160-pound, skinny, uh, halo, uh, hello boy from Milani, Milinalani, Hawaii, was able to live out his football dream all the way in Florida, and I'll be forever grateful for that. To all my boys, you already know what it is. A lot of people will wonder, what if he never got hurt? What if this was, if what, that? I asked myself those same questions for a while, too. It wasn't until November 23rd, 2021, the three-year anniversary of my injury, where I saw my son for the first time on ultrasound, and then understood why I went through what I went through. It took three years to put it all in perspective, but I get goosebumps thinking about how divine it is that a, that three years to the day I get hurt is the same day I see my baby boy for the first time. As much as I love playing quarterback and being in the locker room with the guys, I know there's no greater opportunity, responsibility in this world than being a father. And let me make a call out to all the dads out there. Step up and lead your families. God bless all and much love. 
Mackenzie Melton is expected to be a father very soon, within the next month. Uh, and he's got a big event coming up on June 17th where Blake Bortles and Dante Culpepper will be a part of that. Uh, to arguably the three greatest quarterbacks in the history of UCF football. We'll be taking a bit on his event on June 17th. We'll have more on this McKenzie Milton developing story on blackandgoldbanneret.com throughout, uh, not only on our website, but I'm sure moving forward as more news develops. But again, on late Thursday night, McKenzie Milton announcing his retirement from playing football. Here now is the rest of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast show. And we welcome you to this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Eric Lopez here. Jeff Sharon's on vacation. He's in Hawaii. Uh, coming up, we'll break down the UCF softball season that came to an end in Norman, Oklahoma, against the defending national champion Sooners. We'll look back at the great season for the Knights as well as look ahead to 2023 and beyond for the program. Plus, later, we'll break down the UCF baseball season coming to an end in the American Conference Tournament semifinals at the hands of Houston and Clearwater. How do we evaluate this night's baseball season? That's all coming up on this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Of course, you could follow us at on Twitter at the Black and Gold Banneret podcast at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. Of course, blackandgoldbanneret.com, the site. As well as subscribe, make sure to our YouTube channel at Black and Gold Banneret. We have all the exclusive interviews, post-game coverage, night shifts, you name it. It's all there on our YouTube channel. Make sure that number keeps growing there. Let's begin the show, though, right away with UCF softball. Of course, their season coming to, coming to an end on Saturday. They got swept in the Super Regionals against the number one ranked and defending national champion Oklahoma Sooners, who showed every... Uh, way why they are the favorites to win the national title. The Knights lost eight to nothing in game one and then losing seven to one in game two on Saturday. But the Knights season has been historic and certainly running into Oklahoma and losing Oklahoma is nothing to be ashamed of because well everybody loses to Oklahoma in the sport of softball. The Knights finished with 49 wins, the American Conference regular season championship, the American Conference tournament title as well as hosting their first ever regional, winning the Orlando Regional, beating Michigan, and of course advancing to their first ever Super Regional. It's a team that will finish in the top 16 rankings in the polls when it all comes out in a couple of weeks. It was part of a historic year for head coach Sidney Ball Malone. And certainly we had a chance to talk to Sidney Ball Malone this past week. Myself and other media outlets, including Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel, you'll hear from, as well as Brandon Helwig of UCFsports.com and Trace Trelko of Sons of UCF Live. We had a chance to talk many topics with Coach Ball Malone, including her. she reflected on the season, the Super Regional, and what's ahead for her and this UCF program. Here now is an excerpt from a 30-minute interview. This is a portion of it. You can watch the entire interview with Coach Ball Malone and her media availability with the media this week on Black and Go Banner and on our YouTube channel. But here's a portion of the interview now. Before I even start about this weekend, just impressed and proud of this group and what they accomplished this year. Um, especially with graduating as much talent as we did last year um, and with having, you know, eight newcomers, 15 underclassmen. Um, it's just been 
a great run. And this year, you know, going into super regionals this past weekend, um, and <laughs> going in against the number one team who I think, I don't know how many teams have dominated this, the year like they have, um, but just proud of them. You know, I, I think we, we maybe didn't start off the way we normally play, but I loved our fight because typically teams that play Oklahoma in their second game don't stay in the game seven innings, don't play better. And I believe we did. Um, and so, you know, we, we have that under our belt now and having that experience, we, you know, we're going to get just a 1% better um, each day to be prepared for that moment next year. So. Coach, what more can you say about Kama Woodall and Gianna Mancha and, how how difficult will be it will it be to you know fill the gap left by them next season? <laughs> Very difficult. Um, you know we have our pitching staff now. We have um, p- our pitchers coming in, um, but I, you know I'm I'm definitely going to hit the portal as well um, to replace those two. I think I wouldn't say impossible, but gosh darn difficult. Um, and I don't just mean from their athleticism and their ability on the field. They're just their ability to lead um, who they are as human beings, um, their presence in the bullpen and around and like their competitiveness um, and just all of their experience. You know, they, and I'm not going to say it all of the experience was great experiences. They've had, other things that they had gone through to get them to this point, to get them as hungry as they were. Um, and so, you know, to be able to write that up again is, is going to be pretty difficult. Um, but again, not impossible. You know, I, I think people are all worried and concerned about us when we graduated Aaliyah White. Um, and I think I said somewhat of the same thing, like you can't replace somebody, but we can do something a little different. And you know, some of the best pitching staffs are sitting at home going to watch the World Series right now. Um, and so it's not just your pitching staff. It's their, their ability to execute um, at the end of the year and have a team around them. And so that that's what we're going to focus on. Speak to Jada, obviously hit the home run on Saturday, which I thought was kind of fitting that, you know, the last run would be with her 15 homers, 75 RBIs. I looked it up. I mean, it's her and Stephanie Best have had the two greatest offensive seasons in the program's history. Speak to her growth from January when she got invited to Team USA to the president, the, how she grew so big uh, to what she became. Yeah, I'm going to go even further back, Elo. Um, she came in here as a defensive player. And, I mean, I remember her saying, um, if you could make the USA team just on defense, like she's like, I think I'd be there, right? And then um, – just really worked hard to, to be that, that two-way offensive, defensive, just impact on our, in our program. Um, but that January and, you know, her getting invited and I said, well, here you go. You, you said it, but now you're here as a, not just a defensive player trying out for the team. Um, just being around all of those athletes, all the best athletes in the program or in, in our nation, um, and quite a few of them, we were just on the field with last weekend uh, and she didn't, she, she blended in. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, she didn't stand out like someone saying, what is this person doing here? 
um, she blended in and, and, and looked the part um, from a physical standpoint, from a strength standpoint, ability standpoint. I mean, she could, she, all her five tools are, are a huge fit. And I think she's going to continue to be in that, in that mode. And so seeing that, I think she realized, wait a minute. Okay. I'm not the best in this group here, but I'm not far from it. And so I think she really turned it on in that way, but that it gave her that confidence that she can swing big um, and do big things. And it doesn't hurt. And, and I said this before too, with the Oklahoma and Alo, like she's got great players around her, you know, and, and Jada does too. And I, that's, that leads to your success. Like can't be a one woman show um, in this game. So Talk about you know needing maybe one or two more players. You mentioned transfer portal. We've seen how that's become really wild in some of the other sports where maybe they didn't always have immediate eligibility. Is that are you seeing some changes there? Is transfer portal getting more wild? And, and what kind of interest do you think players will have in in UCF in that process? Well, I'll tell you that a lot of high um, profile athletes out there reached out to us while we were still playing, said, "I want to be a part of what you're doing." Um, and I think that that just speaks to like our, our team is recruiting for us. You know, they said, um, I want to have fun. I want to compete at the highest level, but I want to have fun doing it. And you guys look like you're having so much fun. And I mean, I can't do that by myself. So that that's the team doing that. But um, it being able to be one of the last 16 teams playing, I mean, the part of our recruiting has already been done, but you know, that's our job. We're here to, obviously develop the athletes that we have, um, but get the best to come in and play and represent the city of Orlando, the school UCF. And, um, and so I, I think that we're in a really good spot with that right now, especially, you know, people buying in because there's a lot of people that we talked to last year that said, no, I want to go in a different direction. There's, you know, better out there for me. And they were watching us playing. So, um, you know, when you have, when you have a, a good vision and you're okay doing something a little different and you want to um, push something uh, a little bit further then UCF is the place for you to check it out. So, um, yeah. Speak to the barriers that this team kind of accomplished. I mean, winning the regular season title, a tournament title, but hosting for the first time, really gravitating to community, 22nd in the country in attendance, uh, talking to some people at ESPN, the 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 the, at, the perspective is that this will be the Oklahoma games will be the most watched non UCF football game in Orlando this year for any UCF sporting event. Just speak to how this team really grabbed grabbed the community, the city by storm. Yeah, well, I mean, you think like you're kind of you, you get locked into just being in the inner circle and being about the program, and then all of a sudden you have all these people reaching out and you know, saying, saying these awesome things on Twitter and, um, sending you messages and notes. And, um, it's, it's really cool to see how they rallied around, um, this group of 22 women, um, and just hearing how many people, you know, were watching and, um, and just, they, they were just so proud of them. And, I mean, we had people at the send-off. We had you know, some young, young um, future athletes um, come up to a few of our athletes, or, or a few of our players, and say, um, "This is my star player." And so it's just cool to see all of that 
all of that come about, but this group being able to accomplish what they, what they did, you know, they got picked third, they got the conference tournament, um, hosting the conference tournament stripped from them. Um, I think that we've gone through every travel issue you could ever go through. Um, and I'm not inviting anymore. So knock on wood. Um, you know, they just, they, they've just done the, their grit and their determination and their resilience is like, uh, I mean, it, it's gives me chills thinking about it, that our women can, can do what they've done. Um, and it wasn't easy. You had to, we had to go finish and win a regular season in Wichita and Wichita's fighting for the same thing. And those fans, like people talk about the Oklahoma fans, we were all talking about it in Oklahoma. We've already experienced this, guys. Wichita State was a lot like this. You know, they were all over us and hanging on us, and we had less fans there than we did at Oklahoma. Um, so to be able to do that and come back and um, bounce back after the first game loss in that series, like, uh, guts, wow. Like that. I mean, it's, it's just, again, writing the definition of what it is to be a part of UCF softball and what it takes to be a knight. Um, and then going to ECU and having to deal with weather delays and changing, you know, um, game times and not really having that crowd in the, in the stands. I mean, they just played, they got after it and you had different heroes every day. Um, I mean, I felt like every media um, session, I had someone different sitting next to me and I was again, like, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have this group. I'm blessed to have this, these, um, this staff. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answered your question, Elo, but um, pretty amazed by everything that we've accomplished. And, you know, three, six GPA, um, the amount of community service hours they've done, like we say, how you do anything is how you do everything. And they like um, and love and enjoy winning. I know Shannon Doherty will tell you she hates losing, but she also enjoys winning quite a bit. Earlier about how, you know, you were one of 16 softball teams still playing softball last weekend. A lot of people are obviously watching. You talk from the recruiting perspective, uh, makes your job a little bit easier. But, you know, other programs, other ADs are watching, those who need new softball coaches. So what do you think about, you know, when you think about your future at UCF, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I moved here across the country thinking, what the heck am I doing? I'm a, I'm, I'm a West coast girl. I never, you know, even being recruited as a player, um, Pat Murphy will tell you, he tried to get me to Alabama and I was like, no, why am I going that far? Um, so I, I pinch myself every day. Um, that we are here in Florida and we love it. Um, and, you know, I, I just, what we've done here and what we continue to do, like that's kind of been in my blood. If you know where I came from, I played at Pacific. We had 4,000 students amongst three different campuses and we were one game away from the world series with our little team. And if you, if and I think we had maybe 14, 15 players on the team, like it was, and it was, you know, truly um, like just the, I don't even know the words to say it, but the little guys just getting after that, after it. Right. So um, I, I love what I've built here. And, you know, I 
my, my end goal as a coach is to get to the world series. Do I think this team can do it? Heck yes. Do I, this program can do it? Yes. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope that we get to continue to keep building what we're doing here. Cause it's, it's amazing and it's awesome. And, um, I think, you know, getting attention obviously helps our program. So don't know how to answer that question. Um, didn't move across the country to move again, but I, I've said that before and it bit me in the butt. So I guess you say never, never say never, but I, I love this group of, of women and I recruited them to coach them. So. That was head coach Cindy Ball Malone from her media availability this week. You can check the entire 30-minute session on Black and Gold Banneret on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and like us uh, there. Obviously, let's address some of the things there. You heard Coach Ball Malone there at the end talking to Jason Biddy about her future. I think she's a, she wants to stay. I think she will stay. I think I would think UCF is going to keep her, and I think we'll take care of her. Obviously, there's some job openings, uh, as there always is, in the offseason. And I think certainly that'll be something to keep an eye. But I think you heard Coach Baumelon pretty sincere, likes the group that has. And we'll talk about that a little bit. This is a young group. They do lose Denali Schapacher, starting right fielder, who's in the top 10 in many categories offensively, including batting average and runs scored at base hits. You lose Justine Molina at the second baseman, one of the great defensive second basemen in the sport is uh she was been fantastic that will be a loss and of course obviously as you heard during the the audio there with coach ball malone the big question is how do you replace gianna mancha and kamal woodall the one-two punch in the circle for ucf that was so fantastic gianna mancha actually is going to be playing professionally in Vieira for the wpf where she was a draft pick a few weeks ago she'll be signing her contract from what sources tell me this week and should be reporting if not this week, next week, to her team. Uh, Kama Woodall is going to be getting ready to go to Baylor Law School. Uh, but those are the big questions, I think, for 2023. Obviously, in this era with the transfer portal, don't be surprised if you see a couple other players maybe depart for different for various reasons because that's the life of the transfer portal. Just like I think you'll see some new, uh, you'll have a couple of players come in through the transfer portal. Now, UCF's got a top 25 class coming in that will help to this team, especially in the infield, a very strong class. I know there, there's some talk as far as the Justine Molina replacement. You know, there's some talk they might, do they move a Michaela Macario to second base because they like the infielders they have coming in in that class? Do they keep Macario at short and move that kid to second base? So I actually, there, there's going to be some young talent coming in on this team. But as long as the core comes in, uh, stays, sticks around, I think this team will be the favorites in the American next year assuming they address the pitching there. Obviously, you got Jay Cody had an incredible year. 15 homers, 75 RBIs. D1 softball, first-team All-American. Softball America, second-team All-American. Was absolutely robbed from the NFCA, uh, which, quite frankly, the NFCA loses credibility by the minute. Uh, those coaches, uh, I just did inexplicable there. But Cody getting All-American honors from D1 softball 
as well as Softball America. I would expect the same with extra innings when theirs comes out uh, next week. So she'll continue to be accolades. So let's talk about some of the memorable moments this year. I think back to opening day when Shannon Doherty hit the walk-off homer against Georgia. Really set the tone for the season as far as on the field. Everybody re- And really the game going viral on social media. Of course, she hit a th- walk-off homer against Ole Miss a few weeks later, three weeks later. That was similar. She hit the walk-off base hit against Virginia Tech. Those were uh, to beat the Hokies on a Monday night. Those three walk-offs are significant. Without those three walk-offs, UCF probably doesn't host. So uh, I'll think back to those games. Think back to Clearwater, that come-from-behind victory against Texas in that wild game, 15-10. to I'll think back to the Florida game, even at home where they lost 12 to 11 in a wild game, 11 to 10, I believe the score was, or whatever this, the final score was that nearly went three hours and 40 minutes at the complex. Uh, but an incredible crowd, as I mentioned in that audio earlier, 22, 22nd in the country in total attendance. Uh, great crowds throughout the season. I think back to the conference play. Going to Tampa, sweeping South Florida for the first time uh, for the program. I'll never forget the Denali Schottpacher kind of dancing around, scoring in the first game of that series. Gianna Mancha beating Georgina Corrick twice to set the tone in the American Conference. Really, UCF led the whole year in conference play, but was pushed. Think back to the Tulsa game where Kennedy Searcy in that line drive catch uh, that made SportsCenter top plays. I think back to the East Carolina series where they win the game uh, there as well. Some couple of tight games. Think back to the Wichita State series where they lose the first game, so they must win the next two games to win the regular season title outright on the final week of the regular season. And they do that. Came on Woodall with an incredible performance on that Saturday. Then Sunday, Justine Molina with a three-run homer. Uh, that turned the momentum of that game on Sunday around, and the Knights would go on to win in a packed house at Wichita State to win the series and win the regular season title, their first regular season title since 2015. Going to Greenville, because as remember, the, the American Conference took away the opportunity for UCF to host a tournament after it was announced that UCF and Houston and Cincinnati would be joining the Big 12. The Americans stepped in, took it away in the fall. That was where Shannon Doherty had the famous line where she texted head coach Cindy Balbalone and said they could take away us hosting a conference tournament, but they can't take away us hosting a regional. And from that point on, this team's goal was to host a regional. That was in the fall. But first things first, they went to the regionals, to the conference tournament in Greenville, dealt with weather issues, and a classic game against Houston with Savannah Adams with the pinch hit two-run homer beating Houston 4-2 in eight innings to get to the championship game. Gianna Mancha pitching with a injury in her finger, blister issues in that semifinal game. And then the championship game, the UCF in a 9 a.m. start, run ruling South Florida, destroying him. Shannon Doherty setting the tone with a three-run homer in the first inning that hit the ESPN truck in right center field. Jada Cody with the three-run homer in that game that broke Stephanie Best's single-season RBI record that lasted from 2003 to 2022. Cody breaking the record in Greenville, about 400 miles away from Fort Mill, South Carolina, where Stephanie grew up. Pretty awesome moment. Came on Woodall pitching, where she pitched for two years at East Carolina, coming back, pitching a shutout, and being a conference champion. And then I'll never forget, selection Sunday night, UCF gets together, uh, off campus there at the at the restaurant where they have the coaches shows and just the the exuberance 
the excitement, the cell of the, the 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 cheering after UCF. Really, as the players could tell when you know their opportunities as Texas was not going to host, they weren't going to Gainesville, and then when UCF's name popped up as the 16th and final host spot, I've never been at a place louder in a restaurant than that moment when that team celebrated a historic achievement that they set out to do since the fall. And then hosting in the Orlando Regional, beating Villanova. Jada Cody with two homers, the first UCF player ever to hit two homers in a postseason game. Five RBI setting the tone. Gianna Monch with the shutout as the Knights beat Villanova. And then the classic winner's bracket game, 11 innings. A winner's bracket game that's been the bugaboo for UCF for in the entire program history. They've never won a winner's bracket game. 1-0 matchup. They've always had to lose. They always lost that game and had to come dig themselves out of the loser's bracket. But not this year. Knights came back. Matty Bajorano with the two-strike, two-out RBI double to tie the game up at the bottom of the seventh. 2-2. They go extra innings. 11 innings. Kamal Woodall, 181 pitches. Goes the distance in 101 heat index. Uh, and then Matty Bajorano with the base hit down the line in first base to win the game 3-2 and send UCF to the regional final undefeated. And that would be huge as the fight next day. I'll never forget us on Sunday. You know, 15 years ago, I started covering UCF softball and broadcasting. And one of the things that got me hooked on UCF softball was watching the greatness that was Allison Keim in the circle. She would be, of course, is now a UCF Hall of Famer. I actually hung out with her on Sunday. She drove down from Tampa to watch the regional. It was kind of full circle for me 15 years later, hanging out with her. And many of the alumni that made the trip over the weekend to see UCF knock off Michigan 9-4 to to win the regional, first regional win ever. And I'll never forget the alumni celebrating with the current team, uh, go, uh, running into the field after the game was over and uh, taking photos. Just a, a special moment for them. And then obviously going to the Super Regional and the story with Maddie Berjarano and her brother and just all the coverage, really from the local news all across the board, jumping on the bandwagon, a lot of the media outlets. I mean, this has set the tone. This has really set the tone for the program moving forward. Uh, I think this team broke a lot of barriers. Future UCF teams now will be easier for them to host because they've hosted now because of the, this UCF team. They will be able to do a lot of things as they go to the Big 12 that many people didn't think could happen. A lot of people didn't think three teams in the state of Florida could host. They didn't think UCF would ever host because of Florida and Florida State. That was proven in, uh, to be not true in 2022. That's part of the legacy of this team, uh, to say the least. And uh, just a tremendous accomplishment for this team. 861,000 viewers watched UCF against Oklahoma game two on Saturday. That's the most watched UCF softball game nationally ever. It is, to put that in perspective, only the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF in Florida, which did 3.2 million, and the Friday night game in September between UCF and Louisville that did 1.8 million had more viewers nationally than the UCF-Oklahoma Game 2 Super Regional. This did a bigger number than the Black Friday War and I. UCF-USF football game did a bigger number than UCF-Boise State. It did a bigger number than UCF-Memphis on a Friday night on ESPN2. And obviously, a lot of football fans getting defensive about it and say, well, what does it mean in the Orlando numbers? Now, I have reached out to ESPN Media Relations. They're working on the local numbers uh, ratings 
It takes them a little while, but I have been told from sources over there that the Orlando numbers were huge, that they were top three, top probably top, end up being a top three market for those games, for not only the UCF-Oklahoma game, but the UCF-Michigan game as well, which did a big number on that regional weekend. So softball drew ratings. It drew numbers. It drew, and it's good for the university exposure. It's good for everybody around. It doesn't surprise me. As somebody who called the games on ESPN+, Plus, I know they had big numbers this year on ESPN+, Plus on the streaming side. Social media had big numbers. And I think if you look at all the outlets, you know our numbers went up. With softball content, other outlets, softball numbers went up, uh, helped them go up. So uh, it's been tremendous. Been an incredible year of UCF softball, historic, the greatest UCF softball team ever. Only 11 UCF teams ever have gone to the round of 16 or further, all right, in the Olympic sports area. Remember, three of those teams were Michelle Akers-led UCF women's soccer teams in the 80s where they had a smaller field. It wasn't a full 64. Since all sports went to that 64-team field, there's only been seven UCF teams that have gone to the round of 16 or further, and softball being the first uh, to do it with a ball and a bat in the spring. Obviously, women's soccer has done it a bunch of times. Men's soccer... Did it recently, 2019 and 2020. Obviously, there's an asterisk in the 2020 because that was in the spring of 21, a shortened season, conference only. Uh, but obviously, 2019, I'll never forget. I called that uh, round of 32 game when Cal Jennings scored the golden goal in overtime to beat Missouri State to advance to the program's first Sweet 16 for men's soccer. Uh, that was a privilege there. Women's soccer has done a bunch of times. 2014, the last time for them. They were in the Elite Eight in 2011. Women's tennis did it recently uh, as well under Brian Kanyiko a couple of times. But now women's softball joins that mix. And I certainly thank, on behalf of UCF softball, thank all the fans for the support and the interest. The media outlets, you know, Sons of UCF covered it uh, in depth. UCFsports.com covered it. The Orlando Sentinel covered it. The News 13 covered it. The news stations covered it. Uh, uh, many other the students. Uh, really, it was tremendous to see the flow and this community kind of jump on UCF softball and jump on UCF's run, which doesn't happen often. We saw this with UCF football, obviously, especially in 2017, 2018, as they made their runs to the to the New Year's Six Bowl games and the undefeated seasons. We saw this a little bit with men's basketball in 2019 when they made the, the NCAA tournament as an at-large, winning that first-ever NCAA tournament game and nearly knocking off Duke in the round of 32. There was a bandwagon jump there. A lot of people jumped in there. And I think we've seen that here with the softball program. So that's the story of the UCF softball. Check out my article on blackandgoldbanneret.com. I wrote in-depth kind of a season recap. My thoughts on the year that was in UCF softball. We'll have more coverage on them here in the offseason. And, of course, follow me at Eric Lopez Elo. When we come back, we'll turn our tables to the other diamond. UCF baseball will not be in the NCAA tournament. They made a heck of a run in the conference tournament, but fell short. And we'll break down what the season was for UCF baseball when we return. You're listening to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Eric Lopez here with you. Jeff Sharon on vacation in Hawaii. Of course, UCF baseball season came to an end last weekend. It is Saturday night 
in Clearwater. Of course, UCF was the 2C going into the American Conference Baseball Tournament. They would lose to Memphis in the opener on Tuesday, May 24th, 7-6, put him in the loser's bracket. UCF would uh, come back the next day on Wednesday, beat the six-seeded Wichita State Shockers 12-4, eliminating Wichita State. Then run ruling Memphis on Friday, May 27th, 15-2 in seven innings to advance to the semifinals where they would have to beat Houston twice. They did it in the first game, 9-8 in 10 innings in a wild game. Jeffrey Pena with the walk-off base hit to send them to the last second part of the semifinal, a win away from the championship game. Unfortunately, though, UCF ran out of, of arms. Houston hit a big, uh, came back late and beat, eliminated UCF 9-6 to to end the season. East Carolina would go on to win the baseball tournament title, beating Houston the following day. The America was only a one-bid league. So UCF baseball season ended at 35-25, and but it was a year where they had a lot of adversity and a lot of injuries that UCF dealt with going back to the fall. And now, as you'll hear from Greg Lovelady following the UCF season-ending loss to Houston, he addressed the season that was, and as he reflected on a tough, long day, eight hours of baseball, they left it all on the field. I'm proud of our kids. Uh, they did such a great job of uh, competing for 19 innings and um, obviously been a grind of a week like it always is. And, um, you know, we just we just ran out of we just ran out of time. And, um, you know, again, though, you know, it's just been a crazy year. Uh, for us and and just having to overcome so much and um you know obviously the fall was crazy just a couple guys that you know um Rudy Gomez tearing his ACL at the end of his junior college season and missing the fall and, you know a couple other guys that that missed the fall that we just had never you know got a chance to you know Kyle Kramer that that um you know we're just we just ended up not throwing just just to keep him healthy and, and just, you know, not feeling great and just didn't want to push it, but never got a chance to see him. And so we come obviously then with, with um, Ben McCabe going down and needing Tommy John surgery here next week um, and having to play first base all year, put the first, put the first one and, and then Zach Bennett and uh, Riley Walsh breaks his finger and uh, obviously Connor and Hunter, uh, the seasons that they had and then row. I mean, it's just been one after the other and been really difficult. Um, and our, you know, there were some games where our kids were shell shocked, and and I felt like we um, didn't show up, but uh, we snapped out of it all, every single time, and just kept showing up, um, and showed so much toughness. Um, if you had told me um, that we'd have all these injuries and we'd still win, you know, 35 games and, and make it to the the second game of the semifinals in this championship, like. I don't know if I would have believed you. So uh, that's just a testament to the staff and how hard they worked every single day to try to keep guys on the field, especially, you know, Andrew Sundin, who just caught his tail off and, and um, was not prepared to catch as many games as he was, um, as he did. And, uh, you know, got just working hard to keep him on the field. And um, But the staff just did a great job showing up every day. And then the players, man, they just – Showed unbelievable toughness. No Orlando and, and, and Trent Taylor just uh, stepping in. Um, you know, obviously Andrew Sundin and, uh, and obviously the older guys. I mean, Ben McCabe just had a monster day today and just a great, a great season for us. Alex Freeland was 
you know, it was good to see him back and obviously uh, had a huge day. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we just, we just ran out. Um, and, um, you know, that it was just going to be a battle of who was standing last. And um, we, we just, they made one more, one more pitch and got one more hit and, and we just couldn't, we couldn't do it. So uh, it's unfortunate, you know, sad to see, you know, David Litchfield's career come to an end. You know, you know, you know that everyone's career comes to an end, but um, that, that's going to be a tough one for me just because he's meant so much to me personally and so much to our program. And, um, but I'm proud of all of our kids. I told them to walk out of here with their heads high. Like uh, the way that we competed, um, especially since Wednesday has just been amazing. And again, just the year that we've had um, our young men or um, special kids and, uh, and I'm proud of them. And this, you know, today's loss doesn't change any of that. All right, that was Greg Lovelady following the uh, season-ending loss to Houston, as UCF season ends at 35-25. So what kind of year was it? Obviously disappointing, didn't make the NCAA tournament, but you heard Greg Lovelady talk about numerous injuries they had throughout the season. Uh, that certainly didn't help. Think about the Nick Romano going down. That hurt their offense. Obviously, Hunter Patterson going down with an arm injury hurt them. Connor Sting was injured throughout most of this. He had blister issues. He only pitched two innings in the conference tournament. Uh, Greg Lovelady said afterwards he would have pitched probably if they got into the Sunday uh, championship game. Uh, possibly just couldn't. He didn't feel comfortable throwing Saturday. Uh, certainly thinking about his future. He's going to be in pro ball. You know, that's kind of a juggling act as a baseball coach in college baseball. You have to do is, you know, balancing the young man's future versus the present. Uh, sometimes that's, you know, the player's best interest is not necessarily the team's best interest when it comes to especially in health uh, situations like that. So, uh, obviously, like I said, there was, I think, a lot of positives. A lot of young players got to play. But obviously some injuries continue, and I think a lot of people have that question. Like, this has been a bugaboo the last couple of years is the injuries. And is it a, is it a fluky thing? Is there is it a trend? Is there something maybe that they need to look internally on how they, you know players are being trained? I know there's Craig Lovelady made a comment earlier this season about how a lot of the baseball players are having injuries because their training stopped in COVID year 2020 when everything got shut down. Who knows? But that's something that certainly has hurt UCF the last couple of years has been the injuries, and it probably if, if, if really held them from being uh, fulfilling their full commitment or full potential, really is the, the better word on that. So the big question now moving forward is what happens to next season? I think Jeffrey Pena, a lot of people believe, will get drafted in the MLB draft, as is Alex Freeland. Uh, I think a lot of people believe Alex Freeland's the best talented player on this team. Some people were surprised he came back. Some baseball uh, MLB people were telling me they were surprised that he came back and played for UCF. They thought he would have just not come back and not risk another injury. But it shows the character of Alex Freeland to come back uh, and certainly make it. So I think Pena and Freeland will likely get drafted and more than likely will not be back. Uh, but you never know. You know, baseball drafts tend to be a little weird. Obviously, Noah Orlando, redshirt senior, he's done uh, there. And then, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the roster looks like uh, from, a, you know, the, who else departs and things like that. Uh, but still, a lot of young guys got a chance to play. You A lot of injuries, but certainly some questions. Obviously, Riley Walsh, Walsh got hurt. And his injury situation there uh, and there. But, of course, great bright spots like Andrew Sandine and company were huge bright spots, I thought, for this team this season for baseball. 
Jeffrey Pena ended up with 339, seven homers, 40 RBIs. Lex Bodecker, 330, two homers, 28 RBIs. No Orlando, 322, eight homers, 26 RBIs. Ben McCabe, 298, 14 homers, 54 RBIs. Really finished on a tear. Uh, Tom Jostin went from 229 average to 286 with seven homers, 42 RBIs. He'll be back. Michael Brooks, 256, seven homers, 37 RBIs on the season. Then pitching-wise, Hunter Patterson pitched only 29 and two-thirds innings. Connor Stain, 43 and a third innings pitch with a 1.87 ERA. So 73 innings combined from your 1-2 starters. Hunter Patterson, Connor Stain only went uh, to combine 6-2, 19 appearances combined. Between the two, can you imagine if those two were healthy? Maybe this is a 40-win team. Maybe we're talking about a regional at this point with this team. But it didn't happen. Uh, ben Vespi stepped in, 6-4 and four with a 3.5 and ERA. Cameron Kane, Crane was solid uh, as well with a 338 ERA. Uh, but uh, obviously you'll have some new faces coming in. You'll have some departures. Uh, in fact, uh, on the Rivals portal, Russ Wood reporting that Benjamin Rushing, uh, John Montez, Pablo Ruiz – among UCF baseball players that have already entered the transfer portal with Jason Ambos and Brogan Napier. Of course, Ruiz was a guy who was a big contributor in the past, just struggled this year. It looks like he's moving on. Of course, Montez, there was high hopes, and then rushing there. So, big some questions. Obviously, you have John Riles. Plumley could be in the picture next year in the outfield. That could be a question there. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens uh, for UCF baseball there. Can they, address, you know, get healthy? Can they address some of those things, some of the tweaks? That, you know, they get off to these slow starts and then finish strong. Uh, that's been the story for UCF baseball the last couple of years. I know some fans are frustrated, but I don't. I think Greg Lovelady actually did a pretty good job considering the injuries. He's going to be around for a couple of years. Uh, that I can assure you of that. I, I just think that's not. I just don't. I don't. You know, it's, it's just going to happen. I'm just telling you. Um, uh, but you look at the UCF season. I look at their schedule. You know, they finished with an 82 RPI, schedule strength 95, 103 non-conference schedule. You know, we'll see if they tweak the schedule a little bit. You know, the committee kind of punished teams that had a soft non-conference schedule uh, in this re recent 64-team uh, field. A lot of teams that had, did not have strong non-conference schedules didn't make the field. Some teams that had, like Dallas Baptist, for example, had this number one non-conference schedule. They got in when a lot of the college baseball experts didn't uh, think they would get in. And for UCF, you look at they won two out of three against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern is hosting. They took a game from Old Miss. They're in the field. They took a game from Miami. Miami's hosting. They're a national seed, top eight seed. Uh, but I think what did UCF in from a postseason standpoint is some of the quadrant four losses that they had throughout the season that I think they're going to have to clean up too that dug themselves a bit of a hole. Uh, losing, for example, uh, you know, Losing the series to UNC Greensboro actually didn't turn out to be that bad. Greensboro made the tournament as they won the SOCON Conference. Losing the series to Sanford, who had a 123 RPI hurt. Uh, losing to North Florida hurt. 
losing a series to South Florida in conference. Conference being down, the American ended up being the seventh strongest conference. They're usually top five. They were eight, nine for most of the year. They finished strong at seven, in part because East Carolina finished strong. But the conference didn't help UCF. If this was a normal strong year in the American in baseball, I think UCF makes the field finishing second in the regular season. But unfortunately, the league was down this season. Some of their losses early hurt them. They finished strong, but still, you, you know, losing some games you just can't lose. I think those are some things they're going to have to clean up if they want to get back to the NCAA tournament. But I think Greg Lovelady, I think, will tweak some things. And uh, like I said, I think he's the right guy. Look, there's just some things just – now, this this program feels a little snake-bitten. I don't know if it goes back to the 2001 team when Steve Sloan didn't put in a bid for baseball to host and they had to go to South Carolina if this program has been cursed since then because they've only been – you know, they have only been to the NCAA tournament a handful of times since then. So – I know it's frustrating, but there were some positive. There was a lot of adversity, injuries. We'll see how this team outlook looks like, and we'll certainly have a better picture after the Major League Baseball draft in July. All right, so we're going to wrap up the show. A couple quick things. UCF track and field will be in Oregon for the NCAA championships coming up next week. Uh, Bryson Turner, our very own, will be covering that at full length. As well, obviously, the big story in the football side of things. Football has a new stadium rights name. Congratulations, Hopefully now we can stop talking about it because I really don't think the majority of the fans care. Uh, I think they just want to make sure the school makes money, and they will now from the football stadium. But I don't really – th- I'm personally happy that that is a done store, a finished deal. We don't have to ever talk about it again as UCF has reached a, a rights deal sponsor there for the football naming rights stadium uh, deal there. Keep it here on blackandgoldbanneret.com for all the latest on UCF. We'll keep you track on the track and field championships in the NCAA's Bryson Turner will be on that. I think he's going to be trying to talk to the track and field head coach, Dana Boone. That will be more than likely be on our YouTube channel. Could be on there. We'll try to get her on as well in a future podcast uh, as well. And it should be a lot of fun on that. Of course, the Bannies will be just around the corner. We'll go through the year-end review of UCF Athletics. And then before you know it, the UCF football season just around the corner. All right. So for Jeff Sheridan, who's vacationing in Hawaii, uh, and our staff, I'm Eric Lopez saying so long. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Keep it on all your social media outlets. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as like us on Facebook. Of course, blackandgoldbanneret.com. We'll have our articles, my article on the UCF softball season review. Bryson Turner with his lat recap of the UCF baseball season as well. You can follow us on Twitter at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. So, till next time, Eric Lopez saying so long, and we hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Black and Go Banneret Podcast. <laughs>